0: really got me thinking about this is, you know, modernizing how I show up to my team.
1: Today, we're going to talk about purpose and finding your North Star.
0: I'll be forever grateful to my parents for because they really lived their values and those were perseverance and resilience and this idea that the overall belief in one's ability to create something for themselves out of nothing. Vision relies on curiosity, creativity, and imagination. And if you're not creating space for curiosity, creativity, or imagination in your life, then you know you're not you're not going to be able to excel career wise. Once you get really crystal clear on you know why you're here and what kind of impact you want to have, it just opens up you know a ton of possibilities and helps you get a lot of clarity in your life.
1: Welcome to our Americas Systems Engineering Unleashed podcast. I am your host, Mark Moffat. This podcast will continue our growth in technology innovation, selling innovation, and of course, leading innovation. As technology innovators, we are the tech evangelists. It's through us that our regions, operations, areas, and theater teams understand the market, Cisco's strategy, and where the team should be focused. When it comes to selling innovation, We are the technical business leaders who motivate and inspire our teams to create customer opportunity by mapping technology to mission outcomes. We lead innovation by setting direction based on customer needs, often before they even know they need anything. And then we recruit, develop, and retain the absolute best engineering teams in the industry to meet those needs. Following Stephen Covey's habit number seven, let's sharpen the saw. Thanks for joining. Welcome to episode number four of our Systems Engineering Unleashed podcast. This is going to be a great one you will not want to miss. Okay, how many of you have worked for or with a person who seems to always move forward despite how tough circumstances are? What is it about these people that keep them moving? today we're going to talk about purpose and finding your North Star now there is something daily which can stall or stop progress or frankly stop us in our tracks Engineering at Cisco is has these challenges every day it could be quality problems with our solutions, supply chain challenges, compensation issues, competitive pressure, attrition with the team you name it but If you have a true purpose, if you found that it factor, so to speak, you will be successful in leadership. If you've read Man's Search for Meaning, you definitely know the Viktor Frankl story. But if you've not, it's definitely a life-changing book I would encourage you to read. It's about a four-year survivor of the atrocities of the Holocaust. Now, why do I bring that in? Because it's an extreme example where a person, Viktor Frankl, found purpose in the most gruesome of circumstances and still made it through. Now, we've all certainly faced hardship. It's unlikely that many of us have dealt with anything on the order of magnitude of Dr. Frankl. But with that said, however, we are leading in extraordinarily challenging times. And to quote Dr. Frankl on identifying and understanding purpose, He says, don't aim at success. The more you aim at it and make it a target, the more you're going to miss it. For success, like happiness, cannot be pursued. It must ensue. And it only does so as the unintended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater. And to help us dig deep on this topic of purpose, we have an amazing guest. She is an extraordinary person. She's an extraordinary leader. She leads our state, local government, and education engineering team for the Western United States. If you know her, you know how fortunate you are. If you do not, you will certainly know her after the podcast today. Sharon, welcome to Systems Engineering Unleashed.
0: Thanks, Mark. I'm glad to be here.
1: All right. So, Sharon, I've known you for a lot of years. And when I talk about people that just seem to continue to move forward, no matter how challenging the situation, you certainly are one of those people and I admire you for it. But <laughs> on you. these podcasts, we like to dig deep. We like to really go back and figure out what makes uh, a leader tick. And we'd love to hear your story. So if you would take us way back to the early days of Sharon Martin and share what shaped you and your perspective.
0: Uh, thank you, Mark. And, I'm ready to go deep. You know, knowing your story is incredibly important to your leadership style, and we'll we'll get into that. But let me start a little bit about about me and my family. So, you know, looking back on my family, there was always this central theme of seeking a better life. Both sides of my family immigrated to the U.S. before the Revolutionary War. In fact, I'm a daughter of the American Revolution, which I'm pretty proud of, Mark. And I'm also a, a direct descendant of of Ethan Allen. So. You know, we were we were here. My my ancestors were really coming here as a landed economic opportunity, free of you know crop failure, famine, you name it, whatever they were experiencing. And you know that kind of theme of uh, building a better life percolated through the generations. But you know, looking back, we always were a a working class kind. It, you know, education was never a priority in my in my family history. My older sister and I are the the first four year college educated kids in the in the family and my sister is the the first one in our family to earn a master's degree and you know no one even before my parents even ever really earned a a high school education so you can kind of see where you know education was on the um Um, the party list of my family, you know, really until my parents, and they sort of, you know, broke the mold where they came from, in a sense, again, you know, kind of seeking that better life and making a better life for the next generation. And they both broke free of pretty somber lifestyles. You know, both of them had uh, examples of abuse in their family, you know, some physical, mental, emotional, my, my father's mother even struggled with substance abuse, uh, to the point that she died when he was a, a teenager of, of alcohol poisoning. So, you know, just some, some hard stuff. And they, they both found the military, they both found the air force and, you know, that's what helped them out, you know, in a sense. And my dad enlisted and my mom was a nurse and she eventually became an officer after earning her uh, nursing credentials. And actually years later, my, my father also ended up going back and getting a a college uh, degree as an adult, but essentially at that time, you know, they found the, the, the forest and they got married and they, they got married and started a family. And so this is where, you know, it starts for me, but I wanted to, you know, give that, that context because it's a, still a big part of me. And one, one thing that always goes along with seeking a better life or, uh, you know, that sense is always, you know, being an underdog, uh, even though there's that sense of drive and hope, there's still kind of a feeling behind the scenes that you're always behind or always not good enough. And that's, that stayed with me for a long time and it became a pattern and how that pattern manifested was, you know, in different ways, we, we didn't have as nice as clothes, you know, as my peer groups, we, we couldn't afford to have furniture in our house at times. I remember having, you know, friends over with no furniture in our house. Uh, I, I always felt inferior, inferior to my peers in the way that I looked or dressed and ultimately, you know, led to feeling like not as smart or not as intelligent as my peers. That's a lot, you know, for, for a kid, Um, there was always a sense of fear surrounding money too, which, you know, sort of contributed to my relationship with finances as I moved into early adulthood, you know, kind of a sense that it could disappear one day. Um, but, you know, so some great things I, I took from this, I'll, I'll be forever grateful to my parents for, because they really lived their values and those were perseverance and resilience and this idea that the overall belief in one's ability to create something for themselves out of nothing. And that was them, you know, and that's what I took from them. And, you know, I think those are three pretty strong values of my leadership style today. In fact, if you asked me to give you three of uh, my leadership values, it that would be it. Perseverance, resilience, and optimism, despite hardship, you know, but it also, you know, came with some hard things and some hard patterns mark that, you know, I had to learn and rewrite Uh, one that Manifested you know early on and stayed with me a long time uh, was one of perfectionism. It can be really really toxic um, to have perfectionism manifest itself in your life you know I wanted to be like everybody else I didn't want to disrupt the apple cart at home you know with a bad grade or something if if money was tight so I did everything I could to not rock the boat anywhere and that the way it came to life for me was being perfect a second pattern that sort of emerged from this was, and I got introduced really early to this idea of comparison, or, you know, keeping, keeping up with the Joneses. So I was always looking around for what others were, or what others had, instead of what I was, or, uh, you know, looking internally, I spent way too much time looking externally as a child and a a young adult. And I constantly compare, you know, everything about myself to, to everybody else. And, you know one one last piece of you know a little bit more of a negative pattern, and then I'll you know kind of close this out. And I'm saying a lot here, Mark, uh, but one last piece that manifested itself a little later on, once I moved, especially once I moved into leading teams, was this idea of imposter syndrome. Many of you may know it; many of you may not. Sometimes it's called IS, but it's loosely defined as doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. So for me, how that showed up in life was you know how could this poor little girl. Uh, graduate college, or how could this poor girl and earn an engineering degree, or how could this poor girl ever even imagine leading a team? You know, that's the kind of you know kind of toxic narrative that comes if if you have a relationship with imposter syndrome. So you know, just to close out, it, there is a lot of power in knowing your story, and this will be great context for this conversation, Mark, and knowing how you tell yourself that story, most importantly, and how you tell others that story, and. Ultimately, there was a lot of neuroscience behind it that we'll get into, but I was able through neuroscience to redefine my relationship with perfectionism and rewire it, physically rewire it and rewire my relationship that I had with comparison to my peer group and spend more time looking inward than outward and rewire my experience with imposter syndrome. And then, you know, once I did that and I combined those with, you know, three the three values I got from my parents, which were perseverance, resilience, and optimism, it all turned out to be a really, a really cool combo.
1: (laughs) I love that Sharon. And look, there's, there's so much in that. Uh, Every time I speak to you, I learn something new and there's so many connection points. Air force was my way effectively out of, uh, I had a great life up to that point, but worked hard, very blue collar. Not that there's anything wrong with blue collar work, but, uh Air Force was my way out uh imposter syndrome mm-hmm. i've been there more than once. I can promise you and perfectionism it's always interesting in that uh hubert J- jolie mentions it in his book the heart of business uh perfectionism is is the enemy, especially of successful leaders right when when you're yes. perfect and you have to have everything figured out and understand everything it it really does create a challenging situation so You took us through like those early days, what shaped that, some of the negative patterns, but also Mm -hmm. some of the positive things that emerged. So you've talked a little bit about cultivating this big three. So take take us down that path. What are the three things that you focus on that helped you, if you will, rewire yourself and orient toward a more positive direction?
0: Yeah, so, sounds great. So, you know what? What really got me thinking about this is, you know, modernizing how I show up to my teams in the world. So much has changed over the last ten years, and I've had a lot of reflective moments on how how am I continuing to, continuing to modernize myself as a leader for the type of leader that the world needs. And I specifically say the world needs because each of you listening are a type of leader that the world needs, and you know, you're also a type of leader that your team needs and, you know, where I'm constantly looking for refinements of my leadership style for how I can show up the greatest to the world into my team. So I'm going to talk about the three qualities. Uh, and before I get there, you know, one thing you have to know about me is I don't, I don't do anything without researching it or having proof based in science. So we might get into some of the concepts here as the concert, conversation flows that might seem fuzzy, but there's a lot of this actually you know, rooted in science behind the mind and behind the way that, you know, people are wired. So, you know, I, as I've been looking at leadership being redefined, especially at this really poignant time in the world and in America's history, there's, there's three things that I am cultivating in my leadership style right now. And I have been cultivating for a while and, and seen success with. So the first one is unapologetically knowing deeply who you are and standing in that power. So that's number one. The sec- the second is cultivating a sense of imagination and play in your life. And the third is, you know, truly being really happy and joyful in your life. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about how, um, you know, I, how I came to come to these three things, but just wanted to check in with you, Mark, and see, you know, if those things, you know, make sense or want me to elaborate any more on those
1: yeah they absolutely do sharing it and if, if you were to net down unapologetically knowing who you are and standing in that power uh it's 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 confidence i would assume how how would you mm-hmm. net that down and then the second one uh i won't repeat it word for word but you talk about creativity and play and and those type of things and then the third one uh, is is around uh this uh love of life if I'm not mistaken so yes. take us maybe if you would through those three and give us a little bit more detail i do know and and following questions we're going to dig deeper and how that connects but maybe just take a brief moment to explain each of those
0: yeah absolutely so you know a lot of this is rooted in the in the understanding of uh neuroscience so I'm just going to introduce a, a few really high level concepts because I think it will help know, some of the the content land a little bit more deeply with you and, you know, maybe even inspire inspire your own uh, will to, you know, research some of these neuroscience areas. But let me introduce the concept of that the mind and the brain are different. And since we're all technologists here, uh, I want you to think of your brain as hardware. And I want you to think of your mind as software. And what we know of software is that it can be iterated on. Uh, it might have bugs. Uh, you can have feature requests. Just like software, your mind is malleable and it can be enhanced, just like software can on our platform. Uh, and so a lot of our conversation today will be you know talking about how do you build that that strong foundation of mind to to be able to to lead, like that's really where the magic is, is in that software, which is in your mind. Uh, now, software has to run on great hardware, and it's a, a fairly simple but not easy equation to take care of your brain. Uh, it's it's really three three things to take care of your brain. Again, it's it's simple, but it's not easy. Uh, you have to eat good food. You have to move every day. I'm not saying you have to run five miles every day, but you have to move every day, and you have to get enough sleep. Like that's fundamental for taking care of your brain so that it can actually run great software, which is, is your mind. Uh, and then when we talk about the mind, there's kind of two components here, uh, that I'll introduce. So one is called the emotional brain and the other is called the logical brain and getting into advanced leadership means that you have kind of a deep understanding of how your emotional brain and your logical brain kind of, you know, partner within your mind. And there's a really complex relationship there and the reason i want to draw your attention to that complex relationship is because in more you know advanced leadership topics like you know what we're talking about leading our teams through now which is an incredibly difficult world and nation and company that's changing is that relationship can really you know flare up in really you know positive ways or really negative ways and you have to have you know kind of a deep understanding of the separation of both so that you can gather and cultivate awareness of what's happening in the situation and how you're how you're showing up. So, you know, kind of it, it, it does get into the the sense of um, emotional intelligence a little bit, but but it's it's really so 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 much more. Uh, so I'll double click a little bit on each of the the qualities because I think it's important context. Uh, like you asked Mark for for the purpose piece, and then we can you know revisit any as as they may be interesting. But so the first one around you know standing in your power you mentioned confidence mark yes that's some of it but it's also it's also using hard things that have happened to you as a as a strength and like so and almost rewriting that narrative in your head and that takes work rewriting narrative in your head is is essentially what it comes down to is building new habits and what building new habits comes down to is building new neural pathways in your mind for how you're telling yourself your story so let me give um, one example so i we mentioned perfectionism and you know how it can come out as you know toxic in in leadership in a you know in a variety of different ways so uh, I didn't abandon this idea of perfectionism, but I decided that the way that it showed up in my life was always doing my best, and that was it, and being happy with that and so you can quickly see that you know how I was able to kind of turn the narrative on its head served me as a strength because all I decided that I was going to do was give my best to every situation. So they're the same thing. You're just kind of, you know, looking at them in a different lens and I'm okay with my best and my best isn't perfect. In fact, it usually isn't and I don't want it to be because perfection can actually slow you down quite a bit, which is one of the toxic parts of it. But you know, that's well, kind and, of. Um, and shared, I'd example. say too.
1: I'd say too, is only, you know, if you're doing your best, that's the thing. And you know, yes. right. Yes. So I'm glad yes. you bring that up.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, you know, I'll touch on imagination just a bit. And this is really getting so we're human beings, right, Mark? You know, yep. the last time I checked, we're human beings, we're not human doings. And I think at you know, Cisco and in the world, we get caught in doing and we're not living in the being, we're living in the doing. And once you pull yourself out of living in the doing and you start living in the being, you know, some, some fantastic things can happen. And I'll, you know, just make one more, more, uh, kind of connection point to leadership here before we move on to the, the third component, which is cultivating joy, but how imagination matters in senior leadership you're like my Sharon, why, you know what you're telling me to like play, get outside and daydream, whatever, you know, why, why does this matter? Well, you know, the, the, the higher you go in an organization the more visionary thinking can differentiate you from your peer group and you have to demonstrate and prove certain times that you've you know been able to create a vision out of nothing and then you know do something about it and vision relies on curiosity creativity and imagination and if you're not creating a space for curiosity creativity or imagination in your life then you know you're not you're not going to be able to excel career wise so i think that was an important uh, connection to make because yeah imagination is fun I love going outside and playing doing nature hikes you know things that allow my brain to or my mind I should say get some exercise but um you know it's also I you know that's that's the dot to career really is is vision does that make sense Mark
1: uh, it absolutely does Sharon and I, I love the way you're tying it together right because you you opened up with just talking about essentially you have to take care of your mind, just like you do your body. I think we're all familiar with how to get fit, so to speak. You know, you got to run, you got to do the elliptical, you've got to do strength work, all those type things. But we don't often think about that when it comes to the mental aspect, and especially as leaders. I just love the way you're unpacking this is you, you got to have a firm foundation to stand on first that, uh, knowing who you are and standing in that power and then this thing about creativity is so intriguing because especially at least my experience is your team expects that of you right and you've yes. got to make the time to strategically think you you're, mm-hmm. you know the further you move up into the organization you made the point the buck starts to stop with you right you're the one developing more and more strategy. so uh, I love the way you bring that in and and being playful, creative, whatever label you want to put on it, those things are very important too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, the, you know, the way that comes to life in um, you know, business setting, you know, like you said, is the buck stops, you know, here with you. And people want to work in creative and fun organizations. You know, that's something yeah. they want to be part of. And you start opening the, the conversation so much more to talent retention, talent attrition, and you start, you know, quickly getting into culture and what's a great culture, it all starts with that as a senior leader, making time for, you know, play and understanding and, and creativity.
1: And that's going to play Uh, into this third point. I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, this third one is all around cultivating happiness and joy in your life. And, you know, kind of like uh, taking care of your brain came down to the three things of, you know, eating right and, and sleep and things that, you know, kind of sounded, uh, they sound simple, but not easy. It's kind of the same, you know, it's, it's simple, but not easy to cultivate happiness and joy in your life. You know, there's a, uh, there's, there's research behind what the number one contributor to happiness is. And do you know what that is, Mark? I do not. So, uh, this research came from, uh, Greg McKeown. He's one of my favorite podcasters. The number one contributor to happiness. is so simple. It's love. Do you have love in your life? I'm not talking about like partner love, although that could be part of it, but, you know, do you have a small amount of meaningful relationships that are contributing love to your life? We'll we'll talk about that when we get awesome. to kind of, mean, you know, yeah, it, and it's research-based and it's, you know, it's so, it's so simple, but sometimes not easy. Um, yeah, and well, Sharon, before
1: yeah. you go on though, like um, people may take the wrong context because just like yesterday with the, uh, what happened in Chicago with yet another mm-hmm. mass shooting, like this doesn't mean that life is always perfect and life is always easy and we're living in this bubble. So maybe no, elaborate no. on that a little bit that, uh, moment because I know you're even more, I'm not going to say sensitive to these type topics, but these type topics do resonate and show up on your radar oftentimes long before they do the rest of us. So tie those two together. How do you have a genuine love of life yeah. and create that in what seems like a very chaotic tough situation.
0: You you make a great point. None of this stuff is about, is about living in a bubble or making sure that you're not acknowledging or accepting, you know, what's happening in the world. What this stuff allows you to do is have these three things, have the mental and emotional strength to show up to the world in the way that the world is happening right now. And I think like a lot of people get focused on too much, like on the destination instead of the journey, like all this stuff we're talking about is tools along the journey. And there's going to be high ups and low, low, low downs. And, you know, some stuff in the middle, where maybe you're plateauing for a few years of your life, but all of this is, you know, tools and fundamentals to allow you the mental strength and emotional strength and capacity to be able to take life head on, you know, no matter if we're talking about uh, you know, shootings or, you know, racial injustice or, you know, comp plans, it comes down to really the core of it is all is mental and emotional strength to be able to show up well in those conversations you know for yourself. You're taking care of yourself with this stuff because you're keeping yourself mentally and emotionally strong. But you're also being a good example to your team on how to work through, you know, hard stuff if you can start to deploy some of these principles.
1: Yeah, to to put another Victor Frankel quote out there, Sharon. Uh, again, just picture yourself, and I know it's impossible for any of us to do because we haven't been there to be, but to to be in the circumstance he was in, four years in concentration mm-hmm. camps. Yet uh, he has this quote: e- "Everything can be taken from a person, but one thing, and that's the last of human freedoms, and yes. that is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way, and that's essentially." What you're hitting on here. So what
0: I'm giving you is three three ways to help you choose that attitude naturally so that it comes naturally to you and you can choose that attitude naturally in a really, really hard situation.
1: It's always inspiring to hear of a leader's purpose and impact coming to life through others. I had a chance to sit down with Amal Abdelwahab and Bill Parr to get their take.
2: Yeah, no, Sharon is absolutely amazing. Um, there's actually a pretty funny, unique story as to how we met. Uh, Before I even joined the sales organization, I was in CX and I knew sales was ultimately my goal. I just didn't know how to get there. And so I actually started off with our Cisco directory. I went into expertise and I did a search um, essentially for just female leaders in the pre-sales org. And Sharon's picture popped up. Never met her before, never talked to her beforehand, but I told myself, hey, let me give it a shot being quite frank, there weren't too many female leaders in the org um, at that timeframe. And so I sent her, um, I think it was probably a jabber message at the time. And I reached out to her randomly and asked her if I could put some time on her calendar. And ever since then, she has been a mentor to me and just her willingness to take me kind of under her wing and help me transition from the CX organization to what was then the SMB pre-sales organization and sponsoring me as I got into this position.
3: Yeah, having worked with her the past year or so, there's a couple, three things that I really appreciate about her leadership style. You know, one of them, of course, and this is important of any good leader, is that she focuses on the individual. Not only is she interested in me, but she's interested in each of my direct reports and how they're doing, you know, how doing at work, how they're doing at home, and that goes a long way. It's very important. Um, in, In addition, She's really helped me uh, as a, a first-line manager. She's helped me to pursue my passions and any work-related extracurricular activities, just to help me grow, right? A day-by-day thing. So she's she's pushing me to get out there, be more creative, look at new ways to approach things, right? As as we're looking at hiring strategies, she's. She really encourages me and she offers advice on different ways to look at things with respect to diverse hiring. Uh, I I had, uh, I also had a a difficulty that I worked through with a, uh, uh, just a cultural thing that I didn't even realize was cultural, but her experience came back and I realized that the difficulty I was having with another manager really wasn't anything other than I didn't understand where they were coming from culturally. So just those are a few examples of, of, how her approach has helped me become more successful.
1: Now back to Sharon, as we dig a little bit deeper. You've talked about these big three and you helped elaborate on that. Talk a little bit now and shift gears toward purpose, because I love Mm -hmm. as we talked prior to the podcast uh, around your specific purpose, I'd love for you to net that out for people and, and let's tie this thing together.
0: Yeah, sounds good. I, you know, I think it's in incredibly important for everyone, you know, leaders, everyone to get very crystal clear on their purpose. And I have to hand it to a uh, a coach I've worked with and an author. Her name's Mary Masham. She's the one that first introduced this concept to me of like a north star, which is, you know, what is the north star or guiding light for your life? You know, when you when you look back over your life, what what do you want to have accomplished? Or, you know what. What kind of impact do you want to say that you had? And, you know, it took me like probably 18 months or two years to work through that. This is all the mind stuff, like all the software stuff again, right? So, you know, working on that programming, understanding my story, you know, what is my purpose? What are my strengths? What can I do here now for, you know, my impact to be remembered? And so, you know, I did, I came up with a purpose statement. It's my North Star. I either read it or say it every day because it comes up so naturally for me now because it's so clear on who I am and who I think that I use it for everything, you know, I use it for a filter on relationships on how I spend my time um, on tough decisions at work, you know, it can really, once you get really crystal clear on you know why you're here and what kind of impact you want to have, it just opens up, you know, a ton of possibilities and helps get a lot of clarity in your life. So, you know, I'll share, I'll share mine with you all. Uh, mine, my purpose, my North star purpose is to leave humankind in a better place than I found it through my natural given strengths my family and my love of technology. And that's it. It's simple. And everything I do, Mark, it's, it's behind that. And life got really fun and really impactful after I figured that out.
1: <laughs> I love that. So uh, Tom McCarthy in his most recent book, The Breakthrough Code talks exactly about what you've been talking about thus far. Uh, we, we are a culmination of stories that we tell ourselves and he says exactly the same thing through a great uh, fiction story, but there's a lot of uh, truth about himself blended in there. You, you can absolutely change your outlook, change what you tell, uh, the story you tell yourself, so to speak, and then yes. having great purpose like you brought up uh, is, is certainly the way you back up what you do every single day. And I love the context, whether it's relationships, work, Leadership running everything through that filter is critically yes. important. And uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the great John Sanchez, who I know you know. I he, do. Yes. He talks about your 250 year legacy. And when he asked that first question, the first time I was in the audience, you're left thinking, Good grief, I'm not thinking about one generation past myself, much less 250 years out. But his point is exactly what referring to. And I saw this quote the other day. It's not what you leave in someone's bank account that matters. It's what you leave etched on their heart. And that's what yes. John gets at. Legacy is about leaving this place better than we found it. And I love the way that you've put it together in that context.
0: Yes. Leave humankind in a better place than I found it.
1: So you you wrapped up that purpose. I thought it was fascinating with technology and it's, it's always intriguing when people's careers and jobs uh, deliver a key component of their purpose statement. And I don't know which came first, but the fact that you you you're using technology and your career as a platform, so to speak, to deliver on yeah. your purpose is extraordinary. So shifting gears a little bit, you are a technologist at heart. Uh, I love this. It's a part of your purpose. Cisco Live just wrapped up a couple of weeks ago. Tell us about your Cisco Live experience. It was pretty unique. And and I love the fact that you were on the big stage, so to speak.
0: Thank you. Uh, Cisco Live was amazing this year for a lot of reasons. I'll, I'll try to net out a few top takeaways for me. Uh, the first I'll talk about as a career highlight. You know, I had the opportunity to host two of my customers on stage to talk about the future of education. and the first thing I want to pull out of that is that comes back to my second uh, uh, big three, which was imagination. And that all came from a seed that I thought of when I was outside daydreaming, thinking about how do I get educators to recognize that we are at a monumental point in time right now to take education to a place that has never been before. And it was a big idea. And then I architected you know the structure around it on how I was going to do it you know use Cisco live with a platform I tapped a couple of customer relationships I had so you know I, I I wanted to make that career link or you know leadership link for you bet, b- between you know being able to speak at Cisco live and cultivating imagination because I never would have happened if I hadn't of uh, made space for it and why I decided to do it is because I filtered it through my purpose which it was perfectly in line with Leaving humankind in a better place if we can get students you know better education and more education more access to education humankind's going to be a better place uh through my strengths i happen to be a pioneer connector so i you know was a pioneer and i connected a few people together uh, through technology you know we're here at a tech conference talking about um technology and my family you know my family's supporting me being able to travel and do this thing to to pull people together so you know kind of imagination and purpose came together to kind of create that session. It was an awesome session. So that was one highlight. Um, From a tech perspective, I, I love what we're doing with Cisco plus secure Connect Now I was really excited to see that kind of our second instantiation of the, the Cisco plus offer, you know, the turnkey uh, sassy solution. I just, I'm kind of fascinated on how connectivity and WAN and home offices have kind of changed so much, you know, not only like over the last, 20 years, but just kind of this acceleration over the last three years as we saw, you know, the pandemic, and now we're coming out to, you know, hybrid work and, you know, new security threats. And I'm just kind of fascinated by, you know, kind of all these information superhighways, you know, ebbing and flowing and coming together and breaking apart and like the role that Cisco can play end to end in that entire thing. Uh, and I always remind people, you know, when the software-defined WAN conversation first started happening, we were at the front of it. We started iWAN. You know, we were the innovator in the software-defined space, and yes, competitors catch up quick, and sometimes competitors catch up quickly. But more often than not, Cisco is a thought leader behind every market transition that happens, and we were in this case too. And sometimes our competitors come out faster, better, but in the long run, if we have the swagger and the belief, I, I believe that we can, you know, reclaim our spot as the number one, you know, market market share vendor, you know, for for technology. So I thought I'd share that, and then lastly, I loved that we weren't uh, pulling pulling sheets off, off of boxes on stage. I love that, believe me. I love big iron and I love optics and I love Jonathan Davidson's work. It's a, a key part of my you know, purpose in solving the digital divide, but I also think we needed to come out as almost like a, a software and platform company, not you know, unveiling big iron on stage. So I, I kind of reflected a little bit on, on that a little bit. Mark, I'm sure you've seen a lot of big boxes over the years being revealed like, <laughs> under a sheet. A,
1: a lot <laughs> of ASICs and a lot of big boxes rising yes. up by the stage. Sharon, I, yes. I love the context, too, because we did, uh, last year, roll out our new three-year corporate strategy, and, and I thought it was uh, perfect. It's relatively simple, Sharon, that, that we were helping our customers connect, secure, and automate to accelerate their digital agility and what has become this cloud-first world. And then we're doing that through the strategic pillars of Secure Agile Networks. Optimized application experience, future of work, internet for the future, end to end security, and capabilities as the edge. But we distilled it down to, I think, I love the context you put it in platforms where, look, every customer in some form or fashion, whether they're government, I should say public sector, private sector, uh, service provider, they're, they're moving to cloud consumed technology. And when I think about the company we work for, We've still got a lot of work to do, but contextualizing us really need three key areas, secure access. Look, we we are the company who gets the workload from the person or the thing connected and then securely into mm-hmm. the environment, so to speak. And then that second pillar of secure cloud operations, you got get to that, get that data over, that packet over, I should say, to that workload over to... Either a a, a local data center, it's got to go into a hybrid cloud, multi-cloud environment, or it's got to go out to a public CSP on somebody else's infrastructure. At the end of the day, we're in that mix in some form or fashion. And then secure collaboration, that's the people piece. We are the people connecting company in those three aspects. When you think about those three coming together, there literally is nobody like Cisco out there that can deliver on those three value props.
0: Yes exactly.
1: So when we when we get into actually the leadership aspect now you obviously have big expectations of your engineering leaders and your engineering team. So bring together your big 3 and your purpose and and talk about how you put this into practice leading yeah. your own team uh in the west.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a lot here. So you know, I am very, I'm very clear. If you haven't figured this out, I have structures and systems for things. And, you know, my, uh, the way I software program, my mind helps me get to this kind of clarity and structure, but I, uh, I'm really clear on the five things on how I lead my team and the expectations that I have for my teams. Um, and before I reveal those, I thought i maybe, I want to give a little bit more context around each of the, you know, standing in your power and imagination and joy before I go there, because there's, uh, there's a lot of things that are related there. And I want to give everybody, a you know, a little idea of like, okay, once I get off this podcast, what can I go do to, you know, cultivate standing in my power, or cultivating imagination or space, because, um, you know, that's kind of the foundation of where you have to start before you can, you know, kind of get to a, a deep understanding of five ways that you, or mine happen to be five, but, you know, the way that you lead your team or how you make hiring decisions. So, does that sound good, Mark? We'll give a little bit more detail about the three C's, then I'll go into answering your your uh, your uh, more pointed question there.
1: I can't wait to hear what Sharon has for us next, but I couldn't help but want to jump on with yet another one of her leaders, Dave Smallwood, and hear his take.
3: Dave,
4: when I think about Sharon, I think of her as someone who connects really, really well with people, and that happens because. Um, she is very sincerely curious and she is a really really intense listener and so it's funny because some of the, the the things you mentioned she touched on tied to her purpose um, followed that very same language the way that works for her is she's great at establishing those connections with the team and then that allows her to lead by example the way she does. She, she dives in really deeply to, um, to do all aspects of her work. And once you know, an individual contributor has that made that connection with Sharon and they observe her in action, that um, I just think about the scale of that impact that has on us as an engineering team because she's able to lead so many people by establishing that connection first and then setting an example. So that's been that's been my impression of Sharon um, as uh, as a member of the team. It's it's inspiring. Did you hear what I heard? Connecting,
1: leading from the front, and inspiring. Wow! What the heck else do you need out of a leader? Okay, let's get back to Sharon.
0: Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so um, let's start with the the first one here around you know standing in your power, and this has everything to do with the story you're telling yourself, or your narrative. And I, Mark, I look forward to reading Tom McCarthy's book, because I've met him several times done a lot of work with him. And I'm elated to know that he's doing work in the space, because I really think that this is the future of leadership. And I'm really happy that he's, you know, grabbed onto it at scale. So, you know, there's, there's a couple steps that happen here in terms of how to authentically stand in your power. And the first one there is acceptance, you know, general acceptance of you know, this is how I am. This is where I came from. You know, Sharon came from a family that was not educated with, you know, abuse on both sides. So, you know, the first step is kind of acceptance. And then there's the work to be done. And that is the reprogramming of your mind or your software around rewriting that narrative in your head. And um, there's a neuroscientist. Her name is Dr. Caroline Leaf. She does a incredible podcast. And she also has an app that actually helped me do this. It's called the NeuroCycle app. And, you know, you go through the cycle that she takes you through of how to transform a narrative in your head more of into a narrative of power that helps you, uh, like I said before, you know, stand authentically in that power. So, you know, I gave the example of, um, you know, perfection before and how I was able to wire that into uh, always doing my best no matter what the situation was and not necessarily caring about the outcome. You know, perfection is outcome-based, whereas doing your best is journey-based, right, and you're accountable to yourself. You're not accountable to the world, you're looking inward. Um, you know, kind of the same thing with comparison to others. I did the app, I did the neurocycle, and I unwrapped it and I rebuilt it. And I was able to rebuild comparison to others into being inspired by others and celebrating others' successes. And uh, you know, that's how uh, you know, that kind of like really deep comparison from when I was a kid comes out now. Uh it's a it comes now into, I feel inspired by others and I celebrate others. So it's, it's really powerful, you know, this concept of, 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 uh, you know, kind of neurocycling and rewriting that story. You can do it. And it's methodical and you know, everyone on that call is a technologist and we like logic and steps and ways to do things. And you can, you can do it, Mark. Does, does that make sense? Or you want me to move to imagination or anything you want to like play with there?
1: No, it, it absolutely does. Sharon, I love that idea of just, the way you put it in context i don't I, I think people may naturally get there at some point what i love about what we're doing on this podcast is you're giving people specific examples that will absolutely resonate the way you talked about taking a bad situation and and turning it into good like those tweaks are mm-hmm. are super important we all have them right we've all got these situations in our past which create who we are now and often long long into life those things linger. For example, the comparison. A lot of people, I remember even coming into engineering in the early days and thinking, oh my God, I'm never going to be as smart as the person mm-hmm. that is your mentor, you're working alongside of, and all of a sudden, three years later you look up. And it's not that there are any less than they were it's you did catch up but did you see it and did you recognize it and are you able to capitalize on it and Mm -hmm. that uh, perfectionism you're talking about the slight tweak from trying to be perfect for the outcome of perfection is very different from showing up and knowing that you're going to deliver on your best every second those small Nuances, they are nuanced, but they're huge when you can turn yes. them to something positive. I love the way you're putting well, the extra around.
0: Advanced leadership is nuance. Like this is, you know, if you want to lead and develop into being able to lead larger and larger teams, it's all about the nuance and, you know, the understanding, understanding the mind. The real magic here is, like, it's not like I show up to every situation and think, okay, I don't want to be perfect. I'm just going to do my best. Because I've gone through the neurocycle, it's naturally how I am. I naturally now do not go towards perfectionism. I naturally, without even thinking about it, it's unconscious. You know, you have your conscious mind, your subconscious mind, and then you have your deeply uh, unconscious mind. But we spend most of the time, you know, in our conscious mind. I've I've told my unconscious how I see the world, and that's the value of you know neurocycling and starting to do some of these you know nuances with your leadership style and cultivating new traits, you can do it.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, is it Mel Robbins that spoke on a Luminate lately, late, late uh, mm-hmm. of late.
0: Oh, uh, Kevin, you're thinking Kevin Carroll, maybe. Oh, um, Mel Robbins did too. Actually. But, they both did. Mel did yeah. Too. Mel
1: Robbins spoke on this idea of, I mean, she t- told a pretty sobering story of her past and, mm-hmm. and hitting that alarm clock every morning going on at five o'clock and, you know, then she yes. gets to the place where it's like you hit you hit the clock and your feet hit the floor. Well, now I'm up, and I heard Jocko yeah. Willink even say that this morning. It's like, okay, I stop the alarm, my feet are on the floor. Well, now I'm up and awake. I, I just I should go work out, and then if I go work mm-hmm. out, I naturally know my day is going to be better. Well, again, a lot of us put this in, I think, physical context. I love what you're doing is putting the mind into it because it can be shaped and evolved just like the body. Yes. And I love it. It can
0: be very natural. Yes. It can be very natural. That's what you're doing is kind of changing your, your natural perspective on things. We'll dig into perspective actually a little bit because it's a a big part of imagination. I kind of want to take us down an imagination rabbit hole now, if it's that's okay with you, Mark. (laughs) So, you know, we talked a little bit about, yeah. You know, human being, we're human beings, we're not human doings and how we kind of spend a lot, it's natural. Especially at Cisco, we kind of live in this, you know, crazy VUCA world. There's always something to do and it's usually the easiest thing to do. So you spend time doing, you don't spend time being. And, you know, I, fundally, I fundamentally believe that our our mind and our brain is made for creating things. It's made for creation. It's made for imagination. It's not, it's not created to execute and it's not created to hold information. Like that's what we have one note for, or whatever, you know, note-taking system that you have. Like we need that to hold information, but we need your mind and your brain, especially as leaders to, you know, spend more time in the being state and, you know, the creation state. And we've already, you know, touched on this, like why this matters. Cause you know, this differentiates you as you go, as you lead larger and larger organizations, visions, what vision and creativity is what's going to differentiate you from your peer group. You know, it's not like what you've executed on anymore. So, um, you know, Kevin Carroll actually did a great session on this at Eliminate. He did an entire session on rediscovering play and the importance of keeping play in your professional and you know personal life. And you know he talks about one of the major deterrents is just simply you know not not creating the space in your life for it. Mark, I think you called it um, time blocking. but you know you really you really have to create some space. And uh, one thing that he shared is, that play forces you into a place where you are 100% aware of only the present and nothing else you're not ruminating on the past or what happened yesterday or oh man that person said this to me and gosh darn I'm going to and you know you're not you're not thinking about the future either like oh man I got to get prepped for that meeting tomorrow or oh my gosh what am I going to do this weekend or you know who's who's picking up dinner tonight you're in the now and the now, the now is only 2 to 3 seconds research shows that Being fully in the present moment means that you only have two or three seconds right there in front of you to control. So, you know, when you're doing that, you're physiologically putting your mind and brain in a place where it can play and expand and grow and, uh, you know, create new ideas and experiment. And, you know, so that's why, you know, this stuff kind of becomes important because the minute you kind of, you know, physiologically get your mind into a place where it is an imagination mode. Um, you know, you're forcing out the stuff that's slowing you down, you know, kind of like the one note stuff or the, the future you shouldn't be thinking of. And you're fully focused on the present moment, which is an absolute gift, because that's what, you know, that's what gives you, that's what gives you vision. I'm going to touch on gratitude real quick, Mark, and then I want to hear some of your thoughts on this. So, you know, another big piece of these three, and it, it seems to come to life the most through imagination is gratitude and a gratitude practice. It's a, popular phrase now, especially in leadership, it's coming up everywhere. Uh, Most of the executives that I follow that I'm inspired by, you know, in inside and outside Cisco, as well as world leaders, um, they have a practice, you know, research shows that successful executives and successful world and country leaders have some type of of gratitude practice. And let me, I'm going to tie this into why it matters in business, and then I'll pass it to you, Mark. But gratitude gives you perspective. And perspective is the ability to see situations from different lenses. So then perspective gives you empathy. And let me take you through the, the root of the words empathy. So the word empathy actually comes from a Latin word and a Greek word put together. So am is from Latin, and that means to see through. Empathy, empathy is Greek. So pathy means the eye of the other. So literally, empathy is to see through the eye of the other. And as soon as you can understand that, and understand that your logical brain and your emotional brain are different, that it was is what gives you the power to see a situation from any type of perspective. Here's a fun game to do with your team. So let's say you're in a team meeting. There's some debate going on, and um, you know you 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 want to try to experiment with something. Try this next time. There's some debate going on in your team. For you know the the individual or individuals that are, hard, you know, debating point A, put them on the point B side, and those that are debating point B, put them on the on the the point A side. Give them ten minutes to think about it, and then ask them to show up again. What you've just done is develop their empathy and their perspective and their ability to see something through someone else's eyes, which is a a superpower. And this is, again, something else that you can wire into your subconscious and it'll take a neurocycle. and you can practice it. But empathy can become part of your subconscious such that every situation you don't approach with judgment, you approach every situation with curiosity and a sense of seeking to understand. And that's what you really want to get into your subconscious, Mark.
1: Yeah, I love it, Sharon. The, the thing about empathy and we brought this up in a previous podcast. Brene Brown talks obviously about this topic and vulnerability ad nauseum. But true empathy helps you connect with others. It literally is that simple. And yes. when mm-hmm. you connect, and then from a leadership perspective, you can be transparent. Like those two things just uh magic begins to happen. But I want to go back to this idea of time boxing or creating space, you call it, to think uh, a lot of us in this, I'm going to steal this uh, human being versus human doing. I really like that idea. The the writers, the four disciplines of execution talk about we're all the masters of human doing. They call it the whirlwind. Like (laughs) the stuff that goes on continuously around us that if you do not purposefully get out of the whirlwind and focus on some strategic initiative, you just continue to live in that space. And I do think as leaders, we often get caught up in, in doing, doing, doing. And and oftentimes, it's not just new leaders. It's all of us. We do. Yes. and And I think the intent is to show our teams that we're in the boat with them. But what that often leads to is you tend to get in the boat and then you start to commiserate and that's very different from empathy and giving yourself time to really think about leadership. And I think you should love leadership. If you're in a leadership role, you got to love what we do for a living and give your time, giving yourself time and the creativity and space to think about how to lead more effectively And is just as Mm -hmm. important as it is for an engineer to be up to speed and as sharp as possible on software defined wide area networking and what we're doing with our MIG portfolio. And, how to get Intersight working effectively with our compute platforms. I mean, leadership is that critical. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I love the way you tied uh, those together for sure.
0: Let me, you said something interesting around commiserate. And I see a lot of that happening now, especially with, you know, hard things that are happening around us. It's easy to get kind of in a cycle with peers about, um, you know, negative stuff happening, happening. And Mark, by now you know me. I'm research based and science based. And let me give you some research behind why this happens and how you can break out of it. So, um, perspective. We spent a little bit of time talking about perspective and the power of perspective and empathy. So, perspective and how the mind is how the mind naturally views information. We know that. So it's evolutionary that early in human history we had to be ready to face harmful threats. So something called the negative bias exists naturally in our brain you have it now mark I have it too we ha- we all have yep. negative bias in our brain it affects our behavior it affects our decisions it affects our relationships it affects how we show up to our teams it affects how we show up to our peers and our leaders and the bias toward negative leads you to pay much more attention to the bad things that happen making them seem much more important than they really are the bad things are also what gets stuck most in our memories so you know this comes back to neuroplasticity and you know managing your mind and You know, reprogramming your subconscious so that you do not get lost in negative bias as a leader. Now more than ever, you cannot get lost in negative bias as a leader, and you need you need that perspective. So, you know, three quick tactics you can take to you know not get lost in negative bias. First, know when it's happening. This comes back to the emotional mind and the logical mind. Emotional mind is negative bias. Logical mind says, "Oh, this is weird. My emotional mind is getting really negative. I think it's that." natural negative bias thing i better figure out you know kind of like a a pattern interrupt and that's called a reconceptualization of what's actually happening so you know first of all gather that awareness and you know understand again that relationship that exists your logical mind is the observer your emotional mind is what's getting pulled into that negative bias Um, second thing you can do is get into the space that you created for imagination you know, go outside for pattern interrupt pick up a ball for a pattern interrupt you know, do something to break that cycle of thinking um, and finally, when positive moments do happen, they do. A lot of positive moments happen day in and day out, you know, d- despite, you know, the news and, and the shootings and uh, whatever's happening in Spring Supreme Court, all these crazy things, there's good things happening. So, you know, one thing you can do to feed your positive bias and, you know, take energy away from your negative bias is to savor and celebrate the good things. You know, teach your subconscious mind that positive things that happen are equally as good as negative things. And it's it's not to say... That you know we're being inauthentic, like we talked about before. Okay, this isn't about being inauthentic or ignoring the bad stuff. It just means that you are not letting the bad stuff be your only perspective. That you have the power to create multiple perspectives about bad stuff, and you have the power to neutralize your your negative bias. I think I'm glad you brought that up, Mark, because it's really really important right now.
1: And, and Sharon, the wonderful thing about leadership is people want someone rock solid and motivational and inspirational. And again, this is not waving pom-poms in spite of the negativity going on. This is somebody that that's right. standing in the face of adversity and continuing to move through it without being paralyzed. People love that type leadership and those type of people. And I just simply say, look, don't, don't get caught up as a leader and commiserating with the misery. Right. And I, I, at least for me, Sharon, I always share context. Look, I've, I grew up working on a farm, working in my dad's machine shop. I was in the military, uh, challenged with some very challenging situations in the military. I worked offshore drilling. I've been with 3Com Corporation, and now I've been with Cisco. Bad stuff happens every single place you go, every single place you work. And if that's what you focus on, I love... The fact that you put science behind it, that's where we tend to gravitate. But there's a heck of a lot more good stuff happening than there is bad. It's just the way we're geared. Yeah. And to understand that, especially in a leadership role, and especially in times like these helps you continue to develop those leadership skills that are absolutely critical to keeping your people on track, moving in the right direction, in spite of all of these things that potentially are going on right
0: I got to get to the your original question which is the five ways of how I lead my teams and evaluate talent so that we can <laughs> we can yeah. wrap you can probably sense I can go you know, guys this stuff is really uh foundational to me and I it's my core belief system that you know we really need to modernize in this way to continue to keep Cisco moving forward and continue to keep great talent on our teams and also you know take take care of ourselves so So uh, let me talk about uh, my concept of five things that I have for evaluating team performance and how I make hiring decisions. It's pretty easy. You know, they are related to my big three, but have a little bit more structure around them. I call them my three I's and my two C's. And these are my uncompromising values for leading my team and making hiring decisions. The first one is initiative. The second one is integrity. The third one is intelligence. Both EQ and IQ—that's an important fine point to put on there. The fourth one is creativity, and the fifth one is curiosity. And those are my those are my five non-negotiables, Mark.
1: So Sharon, that um, brings us toward the end of the podcast. But I, I love the fact that you've brought some real science into the discussion. I really appreciate the fact that even for, coming from a background where You had every reason to uh, use those things as excuses to not move forward and be positive. You, You chose the opposite. Here you are today in a senior leadership position at one of the best companies, in my opinion, to work for on the planet, Cisco Systems. But you've really put a lot of context around things that are critical for leaders. And as we wrap up with these five things, Uh, The thing we always finish with is, look, our our teams need to be technically sound. Uh, We are systems engineers. That's what we do. When we talk about our leadership team, we have to be the CTOs of our business. We've got to continually look for new ways to innovate, lead, inspire, motivate, and energize our customers and partners. And I love these five, uh, what I call true characteristics of quality leadership. Initiative, integrity, intelligence, creativity, and curiosity. So, with that, Sharon, thank you again for an extraordinary opportunity to speak with you. Get what's thank on you. top of mind from you. Hear your big three, your purpose, and your north star. Truly really inspiring uh, podcast, and I, I know our audience will certainly glean a lot out of it. We appreciate you being here.
0: Yeah, thank you for the time.
1: Wow! What an awesome episode. Sharon truly is an impressive, purpose-led, impactful leader. But I'm not gonna close this one out. I'm gonna turn it over to Joy Rahman and Shelby Bird.
5: I was so fortunate to have Sharon as my first SCCM. Uh, She believed in me and gave me the opportunity to be a leader. The first thing that comes to my mind about Sharon's leadership skills is that she always leads with empathy, genuinely connects with people and elevates our growth mindset and guides us to our best version, which ultimately I believe converts into high performance engineering and amplifies a people culture. And uh, most importantly, like whenever I have an opportunity to talk to Sharon, she makes me feel I'm the most important person in the room. And Sharon has that uh, amazing magical effect on people. And, uh, it's truly been an honor and a privilege to have Sharon as our leader in the sled best uh, as well as uh, when I was in the commercial and uh, Sharon every time Sharon had uh, you know uh, webinars or one-on-one conversation she always had some amazing creative ideas that how we can elevate uh, you know and connect with our customers with our partners and how we can generate uh, and revenue uh, in a revenue perspective, and connect our technology with customers' business needs and requirements, really elevate people connecting with our business and ultimately helping our customers and our partners. So absolutely, Marcus, as Sharon's, has this amazing skills of you know, giving us guidance of specifics, uh, at the same time giving us uh, a leadership uh, freedom to, pre- to be creative and also exercise our leadership skills as well.
6: Sharon actually um, hired me into my very first role at Cisco. And one thing that always stood out was how earnest she was and curious and just overall kind. She was a senior leader in Cisco, met me um, offsite to interview me as a potential hire for her team. Um, She just has always been such a kind, easy to talk to, open leader, that you don't feel like she's a senior individual. She is just an individual that's there to make you feel warm, welcome, and part of a team, whether you're already hired in or you're doing your very first interview uh, to join a team that she oversees or works with. I think that's one thing that really drew me, not just to Cisco, but also to her as a continued leader and mentor, because she's always shown skills that I would hope to one day exemplify myself really can exemplify what a good leader should be, um, but also helps get action started, finished and taken care of. Um, She has always been really good too with helping to teach you different skill sets to ensure that you are provided maybe soft skill classes or technical. One other thing about Sharon that I, I always thought was awesome too is even though she is more of a people leader, she always still stays up on her technical abilities and her certifications and those strengths and things that she's been passionate about and that drew her to this career field as well in the beginning. Um, she's always been someone that, regardless of a situation or a problem, she'll help you with any problem solution too. So she's just a very multifaceted uh, individual leader. Like I said, there's- not enough nice things that you can say, I have just, uh, she's always been someone, a first uh, contact here at Cisco and one that I hope that I can remain and stay close to uh, for my career and the rest of my personal life as well. She's just an amazing, outstanding individual.